examine cannabis pricing trends, ask the question if uh, maybe we've peaked out on same store sales, uh, looking at California, West Coast, uh, a lot of uh, existing markets in US and Canada, looking at that pricing. Um, we'll touch on some discount strategies as well to maybe try to recoup some of that pricing towards the end, but initially we're just going to kind of focus in on uh, the pricing right now, uh, year over year sales pricing, uh, market share, some of that data, all of that coming up. Welcome back to the Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. So we look at some pricing trends in mature markets uh, with headsets, data. We're going to kind of look at some early stage developments, particularly the Michigan cannabis market. We can see that the growth has grown up to 171 million uh, through July of 2021. Um, and so utilizing some of that, we're going to kind of build on, on that kind of um, comparison. So Michigan's cannabis market, providing an excellent example of common trends among newly open markets, seeing that their sales have grown tremendously over the last couple of years, rising from about 32 million when the sales began in December to more than 171 in July of 2021. So total product assortment has grown at an even farther, uh, faster magnitude, increasing more than 25 times from 348 products during the first couple of months to 9,000 in July of 2021. So it's a lot of products. You know, when you go into one store and you see 2,000 SKUs, it's kind of hard to figure out how to navigate all of that. But you're seeing some growth in the product assortments starting to slow down a little bit. Um, and they'll probably kind of come down even more. A lot of redundancies there and things that maybe probably shouldn't uh, be around uh, products people don't want, for example. Things that maybe they should, um, chocolate covered espresso beans, you would think would sell. They don't. Um, grab a go coffee, uh, not at the prices they're trying to sell it for. So some people will try to, to roll out their ideas and find out that most of the time it doesn't work. <clears throat> prices do come down they always will and they're going to come down even more once uh international legalization happens colombia um peru already ready for about 15 cents per gram with landing costs so that'll totally disrupt the market um so we could see though from just kind of looking at the michigan total units sold versus the average item price that um uh, the unit volume is inversely correlated to the price. So kind of common across the emerging markets. So early in the new to market development, so demand greatly outpacing supply, producers kind of struggling to get some of that product on the store shelves and a lot of the early examples. Uh, but over time, they work themselves out and the price comes down and um, it's price gouging too. Let's, let's not kind of sidestep that. Michigan, Average item price falling 40%, um, and then total unit volume increasing almost 160% over the same time. So kind of standard um, supply and demand, but um, they could just bring out a whole bunch of products right out, right out the gate. Um, decreasing supply, not only found in new markets. So decreasing prices are common in, in some new cannabis markets. They're not unique. 
Uh, more established markets continue to experience price compression over time. That's with competition, um, as well as supply and customer expectation. You can put a price out there and eventually after the novelty wears off, people aren't just going to come back and buy more. You saw that with the inhaler, THCO acetate, a product I helped work on 2017, $120. Sure, someone will go buy that. They could puff on an airplane all day long, no problem. Uh, they can use it anywhere, everywhere. But if it clogs, if it's a bad user experience, if it's too expensive, people won't come back. They didn't. And all of those companies uh, no longer have a product because people don't care. They're not going to keep coming back for something that doesn't have value. So you can see that it's most apparent in flower, uh, most commoditized of all categories. So you see from this chart, the average price of flower in California decreased 30% uh, from September 2020 until the following year. Also want to show uh, sales of California that look like they peaked um, maybe in May or August, kind of depending on the data you get from headset or BDS, but it looks like everybody's kind of saying the same thing that between May and August sales peaked. I'm showing that August from headset that sales have peaked and have gone down um, since then. And you can kind of see that in, in all markets that they kind of starting to sidestep down a little bit, um, you know, with uh, kind of hard to say, see with this other graph, not as prominent, I guess, but California does lead a lot of trends. Year over year growth also flat um, at, at around June, uh, hitting single digits, um, you know, for the next five months, average basket size, I found interesting to $65 was the average item, um, average spend. Um, the requirement rather $65 was the requirement for delivery. So that ended up being the average purchase price for people because you're trying to meet that. Now it's dropped. So it's below $65 as of August, meaning people are going into the stores and ordering less, bringing that overall price down. But there's more transactions. So maybe they're going in and buying more frequently, but less um, dollar amount. So they're just buying, um, you know, maybe grams or you know, small, smaller amounts, but more transactions I find interesting. Uh, and then consolidation is, you know, increasing a little bit, just a couple percentage points, nothing like too, too crazy. So pricing trends tend to compress doesn't mean that the only products that are being sold are the lowest possible price. So market mature price diversify can increase as competition motivates brands to fill unique pricing niches to satisfy all of the consumers. So looking at the unit volume by price for flour in eighths in California over the last month. So if customers in, uh, in that important market were only motivated by per, uh, to purchase eighths at the lowest price point, you'd see a very narrow distribution concentrated entirely to the left of the graph. And instead, you see a much more diverse pricing landscape. So a distinctive peak right around $20, indicating this is the highest volume price point in the category. And there's also a strong and fairly even distribution of unit, uh, unit volume from the low 30s to the mid 50s. So it should indicate to operators and markets of any level of maturity that there's going to be a customer uh, for a product at any reasonable price point. Producers should be ready to fill those niches and retailers should be able to make sure that there's an adequate selection of products for consumers to choose from. And if you're like me and you want to just keep your $500 pounds, those prices need to come down a lot faster.
So moving on to discounting, um, that's what I'm anticipating. I'm looking at you know thirty-five dollar um, ounces. Oregon has been doing that for a while. Washington has it. Green certified, pesticide-free, outdoor, fairly hairy, uh, sixteen to eighteen percent. So not super strong, but um, decent. So prices need to come down and reflect the more um, you know natural markets. If you look at uh, not natural, but um, the, the the main world, um, tobacco eighteen dollars a pound. So as soon as it becomes normalized and commoditized, and we're going to see prices normalize as well. Um, so average item price for this report and headsets uh, are affected by retail discounting. So um, showing a, a true average item price, this is the light purple, as well as the amount of the average product that was discounted, that's an orange. And comparing those values with the average discount over time, you can see that the uh, within... The first year of sales in Michigan, pricing decreases were primarily caused by a sudden uptick in discounting. So through 2021, you can see a clear drop in actual retail price before discounting, as well as the continued upward trend in total marketing average discounts. You see that in a lot of uh, places here, um, existing markets. Every single day, there's there's a sale. Now what you're seeing is like on Fridays, 20, 25, 30% off. So some cases that's better than an industry discount. Looking at promotional discounts as a powerful tool for sales. Um, graph shows that in California, by proportion of total items they sold at any discount, um, very little difference between the first two time periods. You can see a relatively mature market discounting strategy has remained stable over the first year and a half, but then in both years, fairly evenly distribution around the 50 to 60% bucket, meaning that it's most common for a given sort of discount, slightly more than half of the individual units and then that they have on their shelves. Michigan, a much younger market than California, what immediately stands out is the significance between distribution of the two time periods uh, between last year and this year. You can see that Michigan retailers a year ago tended to discount more than California do today, but Michigan has shifted towards even more frequent discounting. So in 2020, about 45% of Michigan retailers discounted 60% of more items. This year, two-thirds of them are offering frequently. So all goes to show that discounting strategies shift more in young markets, more than uh, they have stabilized. Uh, and you can see that there's a significant difference in discounting between markets influenced by state-level regulations, uh, a lot of uh, texting, um, online orders, you get 10% off, you get texting. Every day there's a different category. Um, so there's a lot of different opportunities um, to not only save, but um, promote as well. So a lot you can learn about pricing trends from emerging and existing markets, kind of covering that, both medical, rack, existing, whether it's, um, you know, looking at, um, you know, uh, the, the discounted existing marketplace with distressed assets or the speculation on the new emerging markets, um, you know, who knows? We're going to have to kind of monitor this and, and make sure that the pricing and discounts are competitive, effective, uh, all of that. So with that, I have to roll this one up. One up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com.
Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.